Does that kind of, excuse me, excite you to know that uh, God's going to prune you? That's what we're talking about today. Uh, It doesn't look very, uh, very good. It doesn't look very easy. It doesn't look very uh, soft. It looks, looks pretty painful. I'd like to begin with uh, a word of prayer. Father, we are coming here this morning uh, with hearts uh, that are open. All of us have come here for different reasons today, Father, but my my prayer now is that the Spirit of the living God would uh, move among us and would direct our attention to your word. Father, your word is alive. It is quick. It is powerful and it is available for each and every one of us to uh, be discipled, to be encouraged, to be convicted, and yes, even to be pruned. So, Father, my prayer this morning is that as your spirit moves among us, that the word of God would take root and be alive in us. And Lord, I just really thank you for the privilege we have to to allow your word to do its work today. So bless us to that end. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be ex- just be something that is so real and so alive that uh, every single person in this room would say, this word is for me. Lord, may that, that be the truth of this word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So these last uh, couple of weeks, we've looked at uh, Tales of the Vine. Uh, each January... Uh, I tried to present uh, the vision of Hope Covenant Church in a new and a different way. This year, we're using kind of the analogy of uh, the vine and the vine dresser. And uh, we've looked at a couple of things these last couple of Sundays, and we recognized on the first week that uh, the, the, the point of, uh, of a vine uh, is to produce. Uh, that's what we are called to do. We are the branches, and as we are uh, linked to the vine, Jesus Christ, as we receive our life, our sustenance from the vine, as that life flows from the vine into us, then we produce fruit. Now, we produce two different kinds of fruit. One is the internal fruit of the Spirit of God. And we find that in Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, etc., etc. When you are connected to the vine and His life, Jesus' life is flowing into you, you can't help but be more joyful or more peaceful as you grow in your walk with Jesus Christ. As you grow in your ability to allow the life of Christ into you and your life into Him. You will produce Uh, the internal fruit of the Spirit. But we also looked at the fact that uh, when we are connected to the vine, we will also uh, have the external fruit of eternal life. And what we talked about that week is uh, that that we are called to uh, be light and salt in the world. That one of the reasons that God leaves us on this planet, one of the reasons He gives us air to breathe and a life to live, is that we might do our part in making one more person experience the love of Jesus Christ. The external fruit of eternal life. 
When you are salt and light, you are partnering with God, with the Father, to plant seeds into water so that people will see the love of Jesus and respond by faith in Him. So each and every one of us has a part in bringing people to Christ. We can't do that on our own. That's the Holy Spirit's job. But each of us has a part in bearing witness to the love of Jesus in our lives so that that will produce fruit in someone else's life. Last week we focused on what it means to be connected to the vine. We looked at that quite, uh, quite personally. Uh, our first step, as always, is to come to Christ. Uh, not come near to Christ, because uh, a branch that wants to be connected to the vine, even through grafting, uh, it won't happen if it's just near to the vine. It only happens if it is connected to the vine. And to be connected to the vine, that branch has to be wounded. It has to be cut. And uh, also the, the, the vine has to be wounded. It has to be cut. And then you uh, graft those two together, you tape it and you glue it, and then eventually that life flows. And, and the Bible tells us that by His stripes we are healed. Jesus was wounded for your sins. Jesus died for your sins. And we as Christians, and we as human beings have been grafted into the vine. We are the children of God. And then it's important that we come to Christ. You can't live life. You can't have eternal life without coming to Christ. But then we are to uh, remain in Christ. And we talked about the word remain, to abide, to uh, abide expectantly, to remain expectantly, wondering what is God going to do in my life today? What are God and I going to do together? It means to stay in a given place or relationship with a sense of expectancy. But we discovered last week that it's our choice. To be connected to the vine or not is totally your choice. God does not make you connect to Him. We have a choice. And that leads us to the third part of what we talked about last week, and that is that if you are connected to Christ, if you remain in Christ, then you are connected to each other. And it's not the kind of thing that you vote on. <laughs> you know, I, I, I choose to be connected to other Christians. No, if you are connected to the head, and the head is connected to the body, that's the church of Jesus Christ then you are connected to the body of Christ. Today, we're looking at how we are to grow. Last week, we looked at how we connect. Today, we look at how we are to grow. And uh, quite uh, honestly and uh, quite bluntly, uh, some of you are not going to like what Jesus has to say about growing. And, And this is what he says. To grow, for a vine to be Fruitful and useful, it must go through a process that's called pruning. And pruning isn't pleasant. In fact, pruning is downright painful. Now, what the gal said in this kind of uh, very uh, clinical way is that if you really want something to be productive, if you really want that vine to be productive, you what? Double prune. Now, I don't, I've never heard of that phrase before. I didn't like that at all. You know, but I look back over my life, I've been double pruned and triple pruned and quadruple pruned. I've been pruned all of my life. And that's really the point, because God wants you so fruitful. He wants you so alive in the spirit that Christ literally flows out of you. His spirit, his 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 peace, his love, his joy, his desire to see lost people one for Christ. It just literally flows out of you. But that takes place through this process that we call pruning. Let me explain. I wonder if you've ever had one of those uh, really unpleasant days. Uh, Karen um, 
Tarkinson was telling me about her adventures on trying to get back to Phoenix last night. As you know, when we were in Atlanta, there had been terrible rainstorms, thunderstorms for days in Atlanta. And, uh, and then in the Midwest, there's been a lot of snow and a lot of... So all the flights everywhere are just backed up and everything. And, and, and that adventure of trying to get home sometimes can be very, very unpleasant. Or maybe you're talking with a friend about something that's gone wrong in your life. And as you do, he says, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, that's, that's... But let me tell you about what happened to me, right? You always hate that. You know, somebody wants to one-up you and how bad things are in their lives. Sometimes we feel a little bit better about ourselves, right, when we are compared to someone else who has it worse. Reminds me of a man, this was reported a while back in the St. Petersburg newspaper, St. Petersburg's Florida, but a man who was working on his motorcycle in his driveway uh, just outside uh, his home where there's this big stained glass or this big uh, uh, glass uh, door. And as he was working on his motorcycle, he started it up. And without really kind of remembering that he put it in gear, he was checking the throttle and he gave it gas. And the, the, the motorcycle just exploded through that, uh, that glass door. Glass everywhere, cuts and lacerations all over his body. The, the motorcycle fell down and the gas was pouring out of it. So the wife called 911, as you would expect, and they came to haul this guy away. The, the wife said, honey, I'll be with you as soon as I get this mess cleaned up. So she had to get the bike out of there. She sopped up all the gasoline with towels, didn't know what to do with it. So she just kind of wrung them out in the toilet and then threw the towels in the backyard. So that was all that. So the guy goes, he gets his lacerations fixed up, comes home, bandages all over, you know, high on some kind of medicine that they gave him. And he walks into the house, walks into the bathroom and lights up a cigarette. Kaboom! You know, the place just exploded. So 911 is called again. The same paramedics show up that picked him up before. And as they were carrying him down the stairs, the wife was recounting what happened, that he lit a cigarette in the bathroom where the gas had been, and all of that. And they laughed so hard, they dropped him on the stairs. The guy goes rolling, breaks his arm. Now that's a bad day. You think you've had a bad day? You think of our friend in Florida. That's a bad day. But here's the deal. No matter how bad something is happening to somebody else, we don't like pain. We just don't like it. We think it's horrible. And we, and we want to avoid it as much as possible. But, but sometimes we forget that living on this planet, living in this world, being a human being, we have signed up for pain. Well, now, now let, let me do as a side note here. So... Something I don't want you to hear in the message today is that every time you experience pain, it's your fault. So so let me give you a brief one-minute theological discussion about that. Here's the source of pain. Sin. It's always a source of pain. Sometimes it's your sin. The things that you do that causes you pain. You drink too much, you have sclerosis of the liver. Uh, you are unfaithful, you get a divorce. Uh, you drive in a car recklessly, you get in an accident. Sometimes the pain in our lives is because we make stupid decisions. So we all agree on that. That's part of it. But sometimes pain in our ha- life happens and it has nothing to do with us. Somebody else is sinning. Somebody else is drinking too much and getting in a car. Somebody else is doing something to you. Somebody else is sinning. And that's also a source of pain for us. And a third way the Bible tells us that we have pain is we just simply live in a broken, sinful world. 
There's disease and there's hurricanes and there's tornadoes. And the Bible says that the world literally is groaning. The world simply is, what am I going to do? There's this sense in the world that never. And Jesus said, one day now, not right now, but one day I'll make all things new. Now, maybe if you guys are one of those that follow the Aztec calendar, the Mayan calendar, maybe you think that the end of the world is going to come in 2012. It may. December 21st, 2012. That's prediction. So that gives you a few months to get your act together. So, you know, whatever. But, but the bottom line is that the Bible says that one day the world and you and I will be renewed and all things will become new. In the meantime, we live in a broken, groaning world. There's disease and there's all kinds of things. Sometimes your pain is because of your own stupid, stupidity. Sometimes your pain is because of somebody else's stupidity. And sometimes your pain is because we just live in a broken world. Okay, that's pain. But there's another kind of pain, kind of an intentional pain that the Father, according to this analogy of the vine and the vine dresser, that, this anal- that the Father allows into your life, and that pain is called pruning. Let me explain that. And the best way to explain that is to read to you from John 15. Now, two weeks ago, I read the text from the NIV. I wanted you to get a different flavor of different translations. Last week, I read uh, you the passage in the New Living Translation. And today, I want to, even though it's not a pure translation, it's an outstanding paraphrase, I want to read it for you from the message. So here's John chapter 15, verses 1 to 17. Uh, this is the Word of God. I am the real vine, and my father is the farmer. He cuts off every branch of me that doesn't bear grapes. And every branch that is grape-bearing, he prunes back so it will bear even more. You are already pruned back by the message I have spoken. So John says, you're already being pruned by the message I've spoken. Live in me, he says. Make your home in me just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. I am the vine, you are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation, intimate and organic, isn't that a beautiful paraphrase? The harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Anyone who separates separates from me is dead wood gathered up and thrown into the bonfire. But if you make yourselves at home with me, that's abide, the word abide, um, remain with me. If you make yourselves at home with me and my words are at home with you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. This is how my father shows who he is. When you produce much grapes, when you mature as my disciples, I've loved you the way my father has loved me. Make yourselves at home in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain intimately at home in my love. That's what I've done. Kept my father's commands and made myself at home in his love. I've told you these things for a purpose, that my joy may be your joy and your joy wholly mature. This is my command. Love one another the way I've loved you. This is the very best way to love. Put your life on the line for your friends. You are my friends when you do the things I command you. I am no longer calling you servants because servants don't understand what their master is thinking and planning. No, I've named you friends because I've let you in on everything I've heard from the Father. You didn't choose me. Remember, I chose you. And you put, and put you in the world to bear fruit, fruit that won't spoil. 
as fruit bearers. Whatever you ask the Father in relation to me, he gives you. But remember the root command, love one another. Isn't that beautiful? Every branch is designed to be connected to the vine in order to bear fruit. That's why God still has you taking breaths. Productivity comes from pruning. So let's look at this process of pruning this morning as we look at the word. The first, first thing is this. Pruning is painful. But, if you're taking notes, you want to put this down, pruning is not punishment. The vine dresser is not mad at the branch. <laughs> There's no vindication there. There's no unhappiness with the branch. It simply is no scolding of the branch. Why didn't you bear fruit? There's none of that. It's all about productivity. John 15:2 says he prunes the branch that he prunes the branches that do not that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. It's all about growing in a way that makes our lives productive. I um made a mistake uh, a few years ago and I watched one of those medical shows uh, on uh, television because I was interested. I knew I was going to have to have my second hip uh, replaced. I had the other one done in 2000 and most of you know I had this one replaced in, in May, last May. And I wanted to kind of know the process. Bad mistake. First of all, they slice you open. Then they cut out a chunk, you know, your hip, both sides, right? And then your leg is just kind of flopping around like this because there's nothing holding it together except a few tendons. And, and I'm watching this, and I'm getting sick to my stomach, and I think, that's incredible. So when I went to the doctor, Dr. Meyerthal, to talk about it, I said, I want to make sure that you put me out big time. I don't want to remember anything, you know, because I've seen the picture. And here's the thing. He says, he says, he says Dwayne, what we're going to do is this. We're going to do the minimum. We're going to cut out the bad hip. Put in a new one. I could do anything else. I'm not going to hurt anything else. We're going to do the minimum. We're going to do what's necessary to make your leg well. I had to get beyond the pain. I had had pain in my hips for 15 years, really. And it's all related back to football stuff. But I had pain in my hips. And one I couldn't stand, I had it replaced. This one, same thing. And I had to get beyond the pain of the surgery to get to today, I can walk without any pain in either one of my hips. First time it's happened in 15 years. It's pretty awesome. But I had to get beyond the pain of the surgery to get to a good hip. That's what pruning is all about. It's not about punishment. It's about making you better. It's a surgeon who cuts what's necessary so that you'll have health, so that you'll be productive again, so that you can walk again like me. When God prunes us, He only desires to cut away that which inhibits our growth. Now you noticed on the, uh, the the video, some of those vines were pretty gnarly, weren't they? And they're pretty ugly and everything. And it's pretty. And, and here's here's what I've discovered. I've discovered. I'm not a horticulturalist, but I've discovered this in my own yard. If you don't take care of the suckers, the suckers will literally suck the life out of your tree branch. In this case, vine. It will literally suck the life. So they go along and they trim all these things because what's happening is the life in the vine, if there's all these suckers and they're really unproductive branches and some of that life is going to all of those, guess what? There's less life going to the healthy branches. God wants to cut out your suckers. Only you know what your suckers are. In my life, I've had too many to even recount. One of my biggest suckers was deceit around my gambling addiction. But that was a big sucker that was getting a lot of juice, a lot of energy 
It was taking that, that life flow from Jesus to my heart, and it was going right into a different area. God says, I've got to get rid of that sucker. I've got to get rid of that thing in your life, Dwayne, which you have come to believe is life-giving. And you all have those things. It's not just me. You all have those things that you think are life-giving that literally take the energy away from Jesus flowing into you into something else. We have to deal with our suckers. We have to find out that, and dealing with those suckers, when Jesus cuts those away, it's painful. There's adversity. There's pain. There's pruning. God is not looking for ways to squish us. God is looking for ways to have that new, that powerful flowing energy from Jesus go all to our heart instead of all these other directions where we've come to believe something else will give us life. And it never does. We've got to deal with our suckers. And that is painful. God doesn't make mistakes. God never gets carried away. He will cut out. He will cut us back to what we need to be, but he will never cut us down. Peter called these fiery trials in First Peter 4. He said, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. It's not strange. Yeah, we know that there's pain for a lot of different reasons, but sometimes the pain is something that God allows in our lives literally to cut that away from us, which is drawing the energy, the life away from our hearts. Sometimes you might ask these fiery trials. God lets me go through these. I don't like fiery trials. Was, wasn't God paying attention to me? I mean, wasn't he on the job you know, trying to keep me from being hurt? You know, you know God, remember, God's number one job is not to keep you safe and well. God's number one job is to give you character, give you a heart that longs for Jesus. That's his job. The other stuff, you know, good grief, 60, 70, 80, 90 years on this planet, that's nothing compared to eternity. And that's just, that's preschool. You know, all you're doing is, this is preschool for all of us. You know, don't, don't think this is it. Some, that's the problem with many Christians. We think this is it. We think this is the destination, that life and retirement and good things and all. But no, 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 this is preschool. We're just beginning to understand what it means to live forever with God. Sometimes we think that these pains, these trials, are because God doesn't like us. You've heard people say, well, maybe that's a blessing in disguise. And usually when somebody says that, we say, oh, yeah, right. You know, it's like Sir Winston Churchill after uh, when he failed one time in running for parliament, he lost the election. His wife said to him, well, well, dear, maybe it's a blessing in disguise. And this is what Sir Winston Churchill said in response. Yeah, an effectively disguised blessing. (laughs) Yeah, I can't really see the blessing in it, but we like to keep control of our suckers. We like to keep control of those things which are taking the life away from our heart and going into other things. We like to hold on to our possessions and our positions and everything else that we have come to believe will give us life. But sometimes we need a little push. Well, often we need a big push. It's like the little girl who was late for Sunday school running through the lobby and she tripped and fell. And skinned her knee, and that was sad, and our teacher made her feel better. But the following Sunday, she was also late for Sunday school. By the way, that wasn't her fault that she was late for Sunday school. Parents, just a word. Um, she was also late for Sunday school, and she, so she shot up a quick prayer. Uh, Lord, uh, don't let me be late for Sunday school, and don't push me again. Okay? <laughs> Do you ever feel that way? That, you know, God's just kind of like that, you know? You know I don't want to go there. You know, I'm, I'm happy with my suckers. 
I'm happy with, you know, I still have a little bit of life coming into my heart from Jesus. That, that's good. It's still hanging on a little bit. But, but most of that life is going to other things. And, and, and I, I'm happy with myself. Don't push me. God says, I'll, I'll push you. I'll do whatever it takes. Because I'm not concerned about your comfort. That's not my main thing. Oh, yeah, sometimes. But I'm not, that's not the big goal I have for you. My big goal for you is that you're going to live eternity. And in the meantime, while you're on this planet, that you're productive. You're bearing fruit. You're making a difference in the world instead of just sucking the life out of everything else. That's what suckers do. We don't like to be shoved. Sometimes the only way God gets through to us is by pushing or shoving or pruning us. He's not picking on you. Pruning is for everybody. It's for all believers. In fact, interestingly, non-believers don't get pruned. Sometimes you ever wonder why non-believers seem to be going through life, la-di-da, everything's just hunky-dory and great and everything. All believers, God is interested in pruning our lives. Ann Lander, that, Ann Lander's that great uh, theologian, said it this way. Uh, Trouble is not a sign of inadequacy, stupidity, or inferiority, but rather an inescapable part of life, proof that you are a card-carrying member of the human race. The more fruitful you are, the more fine pruning there will be in your life, the more double pruning. There have been times in my life when I felt like God has come back to that same area in my life over and over again. And there keeps being pain and there keeps being pruning. And I keep trying to learn the lesson and I just need more from God. God had only one sinless son and you weren't it. And he has no sons or daughters without, without a cross. That's why you were made. You were made out of a cross. The same thing is true for each of us. The painful, frustrating thing that, we, that God calls productivity. It's not about your comfort. So pruning is, is, is painful. But pruning is also a process. Pruning is part of the agenda for the entire life of the vine. It's not just at the beginning. It's throughout the life of the vine. Now, some people say, are, are we have a nephew in, uh, in Rich, was it D.C. or Virginia where he lives? Uh, Matthew. In D.C. And he's got a vineyard there. He uh, uh, bought a vineyard. Yeah. And the vineyard's in Virginia. Okay. Just uh, next time you preach, I'll just, you know, ask questions. <laughs> she, knows, she knows more than I do, you know. And so here, here I am. Uh, Matthew has this vineyard. And the first couple of years, there was nothing. Uh, they kept pruning and weeding and doing all, but there was nothing. There was no productivity. And, and finally, they started, and finally, when they started getting fruit because they had taken so much care, wow, guess what happened? It really started bearing fruit. Good and plenty, please hear this, is the enemy of God's best. If you have a good life and you have plenty in life, I believe that that's the enemy of God's best. Sometimes God cuts off the good to get to the great. So I I talk a lot, as you know, with uh, young couples regarding their marriages and um, doing premarital counseling. And I always tell these kids, and usually it's kids, um, that uh, there's three things that you need to have a great marriage. You need outstanding communication. You need a deep Uh, a deep commitment to each other, and you need Christ at the top of that triangle. Christ, communication, 
commitment. And I tell them, if you want a, a good marriage, a decent marriage, you can get a decent marriage with any two of those three. I mean, you'd be a non-Christian to have a good marriage. You have good commitment. You have good uh, communication. That'll provide you with a good marriage. You can, as, you can be a Christian and have good commitment but lousy communication and any one of those combinations. You can have a good marriage with two of those. By the way, if you only have one of those, it stinks. Your marriage stinks, and you know it, right? But if you have two of those, you can be a good marriage. But if you want a great marriage, don't settle for it. Don't, I tell kids all the time, because they come many times and they, they're not really connected to Christ and, and we talk about that. I said, don't settle for something good. God wants to give you something great. And that's why he prunes us. Now, what does he prune from our lives? Well, we know, we've already talked about, he prunes the suckers out of our lives. He really wants to do that. That's what sucks that life away from But he also, pruning also includes people. Have you ever had that person in your life uh, that was toxic? Now, let's, let's be honest. Let's don't blame the toxic people. It's those of us who connect with the toxic people and we receive some of their toxicity, right? It's not their fault. So don't blame somebody else. But sometimes you have to recognize that people in your life, you're not very good or strong or good barriers, and so you literally have to cut yourself off from those kind. We all had those kind of people when we were kids. I had a kid when I was in junior high school that was really toxic, but he was cool, and I thought it'd be neat to hang around. I had to realize that he was not good for my faith. So pruning includes sometimes people. Pruning also includes sometimes possibilities and opportunities. Revelation 3, 7, he opens the doors and no one can shut them. He shuts the doors and no one can open them. Doors are closed and when they're closed, they're discouraging. How many times have you, I remember when I was uh, just out of college, I had this really great job at Chemtronics in San Diego uh, as an engineering firm. And you, some of you know the story. They had paid for my last two years of college, so I was kind of indebted to them. But I loved this job. It was a great job. I had uh, this degree, and I was using it, and it was awesome. And I could have very easily settled into that for the rest of my life. And you know what? God still would have blessed me. I know that. I, I don't think there's just one path in your life that's the only one that matters. God still wants to bless you. But I, I could have been blessed in that. But, but that was good. But God had something different for my life. And through a series of circumstances, through a series of possibilities, he introduced me to the idea of being a pastor. And ultimately, I went from something good to something that, for me at least, was something much better. God is in control of pruning people, pruning possibilities and opportunities. I remember, the, and some of you remember these, these type of feelings. When I was 17 years old, I believed that I was in love for the very first time. Her name was Chris Harmon, and I loved her. And after about three months of this, this deep uh, love and abiding, she dumped me. And, um, and I was, and I was brokenhearted. I was. It wasn't until somebody reminded me that if I had have married her, that her name would have been Chris Cross, that, uh, that, that, that God had something better for me. You know, right here. Something, I, if I had have gone that direction, but God had something better for me. But at the time, it felt, right? At the time, it feels so painful, so hard. Bob Schuler says, don't ever drop the curtain on tomorrow. God's delays aren't always God's denials. If the request isn't right, his answer is no. If the timing isn't right, his answer is slow. If you aren't ready, his answer is grow. And when everything's right and ready, his answer is go. I really believe that. Pruning is painful. 
Pruning is a process that includes people and opportunities and possibilities. Don't settle for good. But the most important part of growth for us is this. Pruning is priceless. What I mean by that? Pruning is absolutely a precious act of God. You know how there are times in your life when your children were growing up and they did something or they were doing something that you knew would hurt them. And you knew it. And yeah, you were going to end up sounding like a meanie whether you believed in spanking or whatever you did. But the fact is that your kids thought you were mean because you wouldn't let them do something. But looking back on that, we over the last couple of days with Nathan and Tina and the kids, the kids wanted to hear all these stories of Daddy, our son Nathan, when he was a boy. And we told them all these wild stories that were all true, by the way. And, uh, and this whole idea that, um, that, wow, when God does some acting and some pruning in your life and, and when he loves you enough to say no and when he loves you enough to do the painful work of pruning that sucker or that person or that opportunity, then you say, God, thank you for that pruning. Own this, folks, please. Own this. Claim this as your own. Pruning is priceless because it proves the reality of your faith. You ever wonder if you're a Christian? Now, if you would say, no, I've never honestly wondered that. Well, you probably haven't been thinking very much. I think all of us have wondered that at times, many times maybe. Am I really a believer? Do I really know Jesus? Well, not the only sign, but one of the sure signs that you're a child of God is if you find your life being pruned all the time. If God is saying, you know what, that's a sucker, Dwayne. You got to get rid of it. We got to get rid of that. That thing, that person that's toxic for you, you need to move on from that. That situation, you might think it's good, but I've got something great for you. God is in the, the works of, uh, of proving your faith. Look what it says in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1. This is a powerful word. I know how great this makes you feel, Peter says. Even though you have to put up with every kind of aggravation in the meantime, pure gold in the fire comes out of it proved pure. Genuine faith put through this suffering comes out proved genuine. When Jesus Jesus wraps this all up, it's your faith, not your gold, that God will have on display as evidence of his victory. Isn't that beautiful? God says when you have come through these fiery trials, when you have come through these times of temptation, these times of pruning, whether it's your fault or somebody else's fault or the world's fault, or God is literally doing that work on your behalf, pruning away, when you come through that, you become a different person. Now, there have been things in my life, as you all know, um, we lost our son when he was 10 years old. That was, comp- that was so painful, you, you can't even imagine it unless you've lost a child yourself. That was not my fault. I also spent two and a half years of my life wasting my life, deceiving Sherry and my church, gambling with a gambling addiction. That was my fault. And I can go through my life and see all of these different things. And every time, God, it was painful I can't tell you how painful it was, I, but I had to come out on the other side of Tyler's death and say, one time I stood up before God and I said, I do believe in you, even if you take my son, even if you take, like Job, I, I, I believe in you, God, even if you take everything that I have. At the end of Job's life, he said this, he looked up to the heavens, do you know what he said? He said, I know my Redeemer lives. How can you do that? 
because you recognize and believe that God is interested in your character and your productivity and not your comfort. He cares that you make a difference on this planet. He doesn't want you just going through life sucking air. He wants you to make a difference on this planet. And so he will do whatever it takes to prune your life. It purifies your heart. James 1, 2-4 says this, Dear brothers and sisters, whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. For when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be strong in character and ready for anything. That's my life. That's your life. I don't know what you've gone through. I don't know what tragedies or pains you have experienced. But I know you have experienced those. I don't know what suckers God has had to to painfully cut out of your life. I don't know what you've gone through. But here I do know this. Romans 8.28 And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him. Who have been called according to to His purposes. It says all things, not the good things, not the great things, not the happy things, but God works all things to make your life have a purpose and a plan. You know, in the times, whether it's been my sin or somebody else's sin, or just the fact that I live in a broken world, whether it's God pruning or something else, when those things have happened to me, I've hated it every time. I've hated the pruning. I've hated the pain. But it's only in those moments, only in those moments, when I find myself flat on my face before God, crying out to God, saying, God, my only hope is you. I have nothing else to hold on to. My only hope is you. And it's in that moment, every time this happens to me, in that moment, I hear the voice of Jesus say, here's your redemption. Your redemption is near. Stand up. Your redemption is near. Stand up. Folks, if you experience pain in your life, and you will if you haven't, if you've experienced uh, sadness and brokenness and hurt in your life, if you've experienced this, this time of allowing the life of Jesus to go into other areas of your life that says, well, this is life-giving to me, and you've discovered that, and God's come along and cut all those away, you need to say this. Lord Jesus, my only hope is you. I can't do this on my own. I can't live this life faithfully on my own. My only hope is you. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Father, sometimes as we um, open your word, you kind of tend to open a window into our souls. And that's what I, I've sensed, at least in my own life, that you've done here today. Lord, we are so in love with our suckers. <laughs> we are so in love with those things that seem to take life away from us. And we, we get to where we really believe those things are life-giving. And, and yet they're, they never are. And sometimes, Father, we get so so sad and so tired because of our brokenness and our hurt and our pain. But it's in those moments, in those moments alone, that we find ourselves on our face before you, God, saying, my only hope is Jesus. And it's in that moment that he says, look up. Your redemption is near. Look up. Your salvation is near. And Father, for all of us, we need to experience that. Whether if we don't know Christ, Lord, we can know him through faith. Lord, if we were living our lives even right now where all the life in us seems to be going towards those sucker branches, Lord, cut those out of our No matter how painful it is, Lord, whatever we're going through, may we all say, Lord, I can only do this with you. 
And his voice will say clearly and his voice will say purely, look up for your redemption is near. And Lord, this is the word that we need today. Thank you, Father, for giving us uh, this teaching and helping us to understand that all things that we go through, you will use for your purposes and your glory. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And all of God's people together said, Amen. Amen.